podcast. We're a pioneer church based in Loughborough in the UK. Our mission is to make disciples to establish heaven on earth. Well, that was a great introduction. Thank you. Okay. But nobody cheered. I mean, come on. Come on. I'd like to introduce Margaret Jo. Yeah. Come on. Okay. Sorry, that's, I can't believe I did that. But hey. That's, it wasn't on the script. <laughs> okay. So, um, so I'm Marg. And I'm John. Okay. Um, now, this is our first attempt to share our thoughts about anything uh, with you lot here on this stage at this point. And my hand is shaking on my piece of paper. So, you need to be gentle. And you need to laugh even when it's not funny. Just, you know, but we hope you have a, a really good time. We don't see ourselves as being perfect or having perfected generosity. Um, but we are going to use some stories and share some of the things that we've learned about generosity over the years. Um, and it isn't just about generosity at the table. Um, it's about generosity anywhere and everywhere, and especially in the areas that I'm going to tell you about now. So, hospitality, let's start with that one. That's the first physically at the table um, area that we're going to talk about. But generosity of time, of possessions, of money, of relationships, and this is an interesting one, generosity of forgiveness as well. So, okay. Let's take a look at the first slide. So, think of a time when someone was generous to you. Now, Rach didn't know that we were going to have this as our first slide. So you've already started thinking about this, uh, sharing earlier on when the kids were going out. So think of a time when someone was generous to you. How did it make you feel? And tell others on your table. We'll give you just a few, a few minutes to, to think that through. So if you shared anything, you can expand it a bit more. But thinking of time when someone was generous to you. Okay, go for it.
Okay, let's give you just another few seconds and then we'll carry on. Okay, so I hope you came up with some ideas you could remember. Marg and I had lots of fun trying to think through times when people were generous to us, which we found really helpful. Okay, so in order to get a sort of a handle on the topic, we thought it might be wise to start with the Bible to see what it says. Um, so we'll try and begin by answering the question, why be generous in the first place? What might be our sort of motivation to be generous? Well, the first thing we came up with was, it sounds very basic, because God is very generous. So if we can, we've got the first slide up, okay. It's a well-known verse. I'll read it as slowly as I can. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his only, his one and only son, so that everyone, everyone who believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. That's John 3.16. How generous is that? To be so generous that he sent Jesus into our world to rescue us and to start a revolution. We all want to be more like our Father God, like Father, like daughter and son. Okay. Okay, so another reason for being generous because God loves it when we do generous things. So this slide says, when it comes up, there we go. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And that's 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. And this is in the context of when Paul is collecting funds for the churches he's, he's been visiting uh, for the people in Jerusalem who were struggling with the famine that was going on. And here he's encouraging the Corinthians to give generously and cheerfully because that pleases God. And we all want to make God smile, don't we? We all want to do things that please him in the way that we are and the way that we behave. So that's our number two because, what was it? Because... God wants us to do generous things. Okay. Okay, so the next um, point we came up with was because the Holy Spirit actually offers to help us be generous, which is quite generous, isn't it? So the Holy <laughs> Spirit offers to help us to be generous. What about you? I need your help I can get. So the next slide... Is Galatians chapter 5, uh, 22 and 23. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. So, this is the list of the characteristics of people who have the Holy Spirit working and living in them. 
the verse uses a kind of metaphor of lots of fruit growing on a tree. And the Holy Spirit offers to give us strength to be kind and loving, which is basically what generosity is. Okay, the next reason we thought of um, being generous was because Jesus asks us to be generous, even to our enemies. So the next slide says, but to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. That's from Luke 6, verses 27 and 31. And it's from the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. He's talking to a big crowd, and he's telling them, he's telling the people about how he wants them to live. And this is so different from how they've been listening and how we're living even now. So often we look after number one. And Jesus is saying, no, you don't, you don't do that. Look after your enemies. Do good to them. So that means being generous to the people who are really different to us or who we can't stand. Oops. Or, uh, or people who wind us up or who don't like us much or who push in in front of us in the traffic when we're driving or who just make life difficult for us and on and on and on. And clearly, we're going to need Holy Spirit to help us to make that happen. Okay? Okay, so this next one um, should really make us think. It makes me think. Um, makes me feel uncomfortable, in fact. It's because when we're generous, we're actually doing it to Jesus. That might sound a bit weird. So I'm going to read a bit from, um, got the next slide, I can't see, yeah, um, from Matthew chapter 26. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. This is Jesus talking about Judgment Day. And he explains that generous people were surprised to find out that when they were kind to others, Jesus sees this action as if they are being kind to him. Um, wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> And also note Jesus identifies with people that society would perhaps rather ignore. And then the sixth reason that we came up with for being generous was because we've all got something to give away. The next slide says, I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. That's John chapter 10 verse 10. And Jesus is describing himself in this passage, where this passage comes from, as being the best shepherd ever, who loves and cares for his flock so that they have a full life with more than enough. 
doesn't mean that we've got everything we want, but it does mean that there's no excuse for being mean or stingy. It doesn't cost us anything to smile at people, to share what God's given us, to be helpful, to be friendly, to do stuff that we know will please our Father God. Okay, in a nutshell then, we are to be generous because God wants us to be generous. But it's not as easy as that, is it? And things don't always work out the way we planned. So on your tables, just for a few moments, let's spend a bit of time thinking and chatting about what can get in the way of being generous. Oh gosh. Okay. <laughs> what gets in the way? Of, it's the wrong slide. Is that one right? Oh, sorry. It wasn't the wrong slide. Sorry. You could, you could, you could hear the panic in my voice then, couldn't you? Okay. So, is that right? Think of the things that can stop you being generous. Share your ideas on your table. Oh, I'll drop it down, okay. Point it up. I did my dirt again. Okay, so just another couple of moments. Okay, so Margaret and I want to try and share some of um, the ideas that we discovered over, over the years, I guess, that have helped to shape our attitude towards being generous. So the first point is, and this might sound a bit odd, about not having any margin. You might say, what are you on about? Okay. 
So, we once read a book together, which Mike's got to hold up. My assistant will hold up for me. <laughs> which was, I say, it changed our lives. It changed our way of thinking a lot. Um, has anybody else read the book out of interest? It's called Margin. Okay. And it's by Richard Swenson. Margin. Okay, so I'll give you some examples of having no margin. <clears throat> Arriving at the last moment, or just after. Driving the car on empty, and hoping you'll get there. Going into the overdraft at the end of the month, or every month. The result is that it's difficult to be generous when you live on the edge too much. That's what we discovered. And the book helped us to sort of think through some of these situations where we were living on the edge, being late quite often, driving the car on empty. You know the feeling? You end up, or we ended up, arriving too late to have that generous conversation with somebody. Too stressed at watching the fuel, level, the fuel level in the car to pray about where we were going. Too anxious about going into the red at the end of the month to buy a copy of the big issue. We loved the book and it helped us to rethink some of these parts of our lives. As a consequence, we don't always do this, but as a consequence... We do our best to leave a bit earlier so we get there a bit before time. We try and put fuel in the car when it's about a quarter full rather than when it's on empty. And we plan how we spend our money. But we'll explain a bit about money a bit later on. So our second point is about how your family influence you, so the way that you were brought up and the family influences and how they affect how you see and how you do things. Um, our attitude to being generous can be handed down from our families, from our parents, from our relatives, from our siblings, aunties and uncles. And it's easy to adopt family attitudes without realising it. So, for example... Um, this is at John's expense here, guys. Um, so I'm going to give you an example of John and his dad. So John's dad was brought up during the days of rationing in World War II. Um, and even when food and money was more available after World War II and he became more affluent, he was always worried about running out of money and not having enough food and wondering where that, was where that was going to come from. He was far better at saving his money than giving it away. Yeah? Um, and John grew up adopting this attitude <laughs> without being aware of it. So when we met, you know, I was really attracted to him, really attracted to him, but he wasn't very generous. 
you know, he, he, he... Can you believe that? <laughs> <laughs> Surely not. But, you know, he wasn't. Um, so, yeah, I won't go into details. You don't, you don't need to know the details. But he wasn't. Um, but spending time with me... Uh, sorry, that sounds awful. I, you know, my family, I grew up in, in, a, in a generous family. So we were always, um, you know, having people round, having parties, um, doing stuff for other people. It's just the way that we'd been brought up. Um, so it was tricky for you, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But, but you know, as we spent more time together, John changed. But the big difference was when John came to know Jesus and started to uh, learn about Jesus and learn about how Jesus wanted him to be. And over a period of time, John's attitude to generosity just was totally transformed. And... uh, yeah, I think you're pretty generous now. The script says, but he still struggles. But, <laughs> I, was, I wasn't going to say that. I wasn't going to say that, but yeah. Okay, Okay. And another barrier to being generous. Um, and we called this, it's just not fair. Why be generous? It's not fair. We know of people who've told us that they won't invite so-and-so back to have a meal with them because they never invite us back. It's not fair. This sort of mentality is, I've had to work hard to get what I've got now. I'm not going to invite them back again. They don't appreciate what we do for them. Well, guess what? That's not God's way of looking at it. In reality, the way God (coughs) treats us isn't fair to him. He generously gives his love to us, even though we don't deserve it. And we've got no chance of paying him back. He wants us to give and give and carry on giving, just like Jesus did, without expecting to be invited back. This is the joy of giving, the joy of serving, but not receiving. Not what we get out of it. Okay, so the fourth barrier then um, is... We can often get a plank in our eyes. Anyone know that verse? Jesus talks about in Matthew 7, 5, about you know, taking the plank out of your own eye. Um, you know, Jesus tells us, take the plank out of your own eye. Don't judge others. Don't keep going on and on and on about what might be just a speck in somebody else's eye. But the plank is in our eye. So don't judge others in terms of their generosity. But we can easily rationalize that plank, can't we, by saying, ah, it's just the way I am. Or I've always been uh, afraid to do that. Or it's just not in my personality to, to do that or to be generous or to help this person. And I'm going to give you another example of John again. Um, he's, given me per- <laughs> he's given me permission to do this. Okay, so John likes to plan. And he struggles when un- unexpected things disrupt those plans. And this can really um, prevent him from taking opportunities to be generous. 
Um, on one occasion, we had a friend uh, whose, whose car totally broke down and needed a lift to a town 40 miles away to look at a, a car that was for sale because they needed a car for their work. Now, we didn't really have anything on. The friend told us about, about the issue. Um, and we talked about... Um, I had lots of things on. <laughs> <coughs> he struggled to overcome the ungenerous plank that was... In, yeah, he just struggled to overcome it, to change his plans and to give them a lift. Now, I, But he did. In the end, it didn't take him that long because he's had a lot of years to work on this now. And in the end, he took the person, um, yeah, and they bought a new car, which was fantastic. Well, do any of us recognise that, that feeling? You know, and I guess I'd be saying, so have any of us got planks in our eyes that stop us from being generous? Uh, you can maybe ask Holy Spirit to point any out to you later on today or in the week when, when you've got a quiet moment. So. Okay, so enough of being negative. Let's enough be of positive. barriers. Yeah. Let's talk about actually being generous. Yeah. So we're going to start with um, just being generous at home, literally at the table. So generous hospitality. Now, we both became Christians through drinking coffee and eating meals with two Christian couples. They invited us into their homes over a period of years and allowed us to talk, and they listened. We ended up reading the Bible together, and the rest is history. They became our trusted friends that ended up helping us grow as followers of Jesus, and that involved even more coffee and food. They were very generous people to us. So we've made the choice. We've made the choice. That's so we've made the choice. We've decided that we're going to carry on and live this way. Carrying on with the hospitality way together. And that's both of us sharing the jobs, being hospitable together. And we've loved having individuals, couples, groups of people in our home. And this has included people of no faith, people of little faith people wanting to grow in faith, and people with far more experience of Jesus than we, we, we have. We've had brilliant conversations, conversations at the, at the table that go deep with people. We've learned loads. We've laughed a lot. We've cried sometimes. That's nothing new, is it, really? And we've been encouraged by so many people on lots and lots of occasions. Okay, so for us, it's not about showing off. It's about welcoming, being interested and available for people. We've found that eating together gives people a chance to relax, have deeper conversations with us about topics that, that matter a lot. We'll give you some of our favourites. Yeah, we love having people in our home. So I'm, I'm part of the OH team here. We love hosting retreat days at our home not just for OH, but other groups as well. So if people want to use our home, we open it up and we'll do coffee and cake and lunch and that sort of stuff. And we just love doing that sort of thing in our home. 
Okay, here's a few high points. Christmas parties, whodunit parties, barbecues, games evenings, surprise parties with food and entertainment. During lockdown, we had Zoom meals with people. So we'd either cook the food and drop it out, you know, round outside their doors, or we would cook together over Zoom. We'd, we'd, we'd both buy the ingredients and we'd do it together. And then we'd watch Strictly, or The Masked Singer. Or we'd do a crossword, so we'd, we'd, both, buy the cross, we'd both buy a newspaper, and we'd do the crossword over Zoom. That was great. I loved that. Anyway, this is a great one. Try it if you haven't done it. Taking dinner to people's homes and eating it there with them. That's great. I mean, I love that because it means that you can invite yourself to people, but you take the dinner. I mean, that's cool, isn't it? Oh, I really like doing that. Yeah, I'll cook. Can we come and spend an evening with you? We'll bring tea. I mean, that's cool. Okay. Um, and then there's one more story. Um, a few years ago, our home was flooded, and we had some major building work done, and the builders were with us for six weeks. So we thought, mm, this, could be, this could be tricky. But we thought, no, 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 we're going to welcome them all. We're going to try and be generous during this time. So we'd welcome them all, the labourers, the carpenters, the painters, the plumbers, the electricians, the floor layers, the tilers. And we'd give them fresh homemade cakes every day. So guys, I baked every day. Because we wanted to honour them. And we wanted to thank them for what they were doing for us. And it was great because they, they vied on who was going to come. And, and if there were any left over, they took them home or they took them back to the office. We made the decision to love having the builders in. Um, we just wanted to make what was potentially a difficult situation into a positive time. We chose, we made the decision to be generous. Okay, so the next little topic is um, about being generous with our time. So we're surrounded here by loads of examples of people being generous with their time. There's the, the worship team. There's the AV people up there. There's the volunteers who came and set the tables up. There's the refresh team that got drinks for us. There's small group leaders. And there's loads more examples of open heaven people giving up their time in a generous and cheerful way. And all of these people have made that choice. I'm, I'm sorry to keep going on about this word choice, but I'm not sorry because it is a choice. We have made the choice to do these things and they're all practicing generosity. So we're all busy. And we can think that we don't have enough time. I mean, after all, there's only 24 hours in a day. But we can be careful how we spend our time. We can choose and prioritise how we spend it and be generous with it. Okay, so here's a, a story, as an example. One of my favourite stories, a true story. Back in the 1950s in Britain, there was a major political scandal, which some of you may have heard about or read about. Um, now it's called the Perfumo Affair. So John Perfumo was the defence secretary in the government at the time. And he had an affair with a girl who was also seeing a Russian agent 
tricky. <clears throat> Perfumer's integrity was compromised and he resigned in disgrace. He was shunned by all his colleagues in Parliament, except for one slightly eccentric man called <clears throat> Lord Longford, who was a Christian. He felt God wanted him to be generous and started taking John Perfumer out for meals. That was a major thing to do at the time. He was criticised for it. Lord Longford went on to set up an organisation called Prison Fellowship. He was criticised for it. He became famous for visiting a serial killer called Myra Hindley. She was in prison for many years. And despite the bad press that he got, Lord Longford carried on visiting her, giving up his time. Now, what you don't know is, <clears throat> I once had a colleague when I was working in the, in the NHS who went to prison for eight years. He went to Wakefield Prison for sexual abuse. This caused outrage in the local community in Loughborough. I knew him, knew him through work. And I had God tell me to write to him in prison. I said no to start with. I did start writing and I wrote to him for about three or four years. And that fueled my interest in prisons and I've had the privilege of going into Leicester Prison to help with the Sunday services and lead a Bible study um, one day a week. Although it takes up quite a bit of my time, I love doing it. I've chosen to do it. So another way of being generous is with our possessions. So before we became Christians, John told you about the couple the two couples that were already Christians who were spending a lot of time with us. Um, when John needed some tools, the guys literally took him into their garages and said, there you go, help yourself. Just borrow anything that you need. They chose to be really generous. And he borrowed paintbrushes, steps, a decorating table, scrapers, you know, wall scrapers, and loads, loads more. I took them back. Yeah, you did. <laughs> but this... You can't, I can, well, John will tell you, the impact that had on him was amazing. Um, and it softened John's view of Christians. <laughs> he didn't think they were out to get him, uh, you know, to convert him. Because they were just interested in being generous and being kind. Um, and here we are 35 years later. Hurrah. So since coming to know Jesus and understanding the topsy-turviness of giving rather than taking... Now, we call that counterculture, don't we? We call it kingdom culture. And it's different to what most people expect. So in Acts chapter 4, the early church were prepared to share what they owned with their community. Now, we think we're pretty good as a church community at this. And we all, we can all be prepared to share the stuff that God has given us. Because God likes that a lot. We've chosen to do the same for our friends. Uh, we've chosen to do the same as our friends. You know, that's how they discipled us, by living out that generous life. And so 
here we go, some examples. The shed full of tools that John shares out with friends. Books, some of which we've got back, lots that we haven't. Barbecue, we share our barbecue out, we share our home for people to stay as a retreat, to use it for family meals when people want space. We loan out our caravan for holidays. Our car has even been a wedding car. There we go. Okay, let's think for a moment or two now about being generous with money. We all know about giving our tithe to God in the collection on Sundays or whatever. That's fine. I guess we want to probe a little bit into some more, more creative, sort of random ways. We would like you to get to view being generous with money as being an investment. Not the kind of investment that pays out more money for us, but that pays out in growth in God's kingdom. We once read a book, another book, called Wealth and Wisdom. It taught us to think about various aspects. And one, one thing that we picked up was how good it was to set up a bank account, to set money aside to use for other people, specifically for that purpose. So that's what we did. And we've, we've used this on loads of occasions. So helping someone buy a car, paying for driving lessons for people so that they could get jobs, uh, contributing to a person's university course fees because they were worried about the financial uh, debt that they were going to have. Helping someone who lost all their savings in a scam. The exciting bit has been following these people's development afterwards. But recognising that not every investment in people pays off. But we do it because that's what God likes. That's what we think he wants us to do. Okay, it's just some, some random examples of little bits of generosity. I'm chatting to and buying copy of the big issue from a bloke who all stands in the same place in Leicester. <laughs> Paying the camping fees for a long-distance <laughs> walker who was raising money for charity at a campsite in Scotland. Margaret in the queue behind him and she paid for his campsite fees mm. to his surprise. Mm. Owning up at a restaurant who forgot to charge us for the drinks and paying the full bill. Chatting to a homeless gentleman on holiday and buying him McDonald's. Note that we're not trying to be wonderful Christians or thinking we're anywhere near it. We're not brilliant saints or anything. We've just chosen a few um, examples of, of ways of being generous. And then, of course, there's being generous with our relationships. And by this, we're thinking of small incidents and encounters, nothing big. I mean, you might have heard of microaggressions. That's very topical at the minute. You know, belittling behavior, usually against strangers, quite often. And, it, and it's quite often, or particularly, racially motivated. Well, what we're talking about now is the absolute opposite. Let's call them microgenerosities. You can see where this is going, can't you? So here's a few examples. And, you know, it's nothing special, but we try to make a choice to do it as often as we can. To do. So you're in the queue at Tesco, and you acknowledge the checkout person. 
by making eye contact, by smiling at them and asking what, what time they started work that day. Or you're driving home after picking up the kids from school. You're in a hurry, but you let the, the car that's waiting to join the queue come in front of you. Or you say hello to a lady that's walking a dog. It might be our only conversation that day. Or you tell someone that you'll pray for them, and you actually do it. Or you have an Amazon delivery, and you thank the delivery person, and you smile at them, and you ask how their day's going. Or you see that you've got new neighbours moving in, and you call in with a welcoming present. Or you see an ambulance outside of a house near where you live, and you call in the next day to see if they need any help. Or when you make coffee at work, you ask if anybody else wants one. And then you wash up all the cups of everyone in the office when you wash yours. Or you make a note of people's birthdays at work and then say happy birthday to them. You try and remember people's names and then you use them again in conversation when you meet them a bit later. Or if a friend tells you about a future event... Remember to ask them about it later. Okay, lastly, we want to mention about being generous with forgiveness. The Freedom in Christ course has a lot to say about forgiveness. This is a plug coming up. No, it's not. No, it's not. Well, yeah, it is. No. It really is amazing, their teaching on forgiveness, and we've learned a lot from it. So, there's two sorts of forgiveness. Both take courage, and they involve brave choices. The first is asking another person to forgive us when we've messed up. So, Jesus referred to it in his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5.23. So, you know, if you're about to offer a, a gift to God, and you remember you've offended someone... Leave your gift, go at once and make peace with that person. Then come back and offer your gift to God. Well, essentially, that's being generous with that person before we get generous with God. So, double generosity. But it's between us and the other person. And it's up to us to do that, even if they don't feel able to forgive us. We're responsible for our actions. If we've offended someone, it's our responsibility to go and ask for forgiveness, to say we're sorry. And this type of generous forgiveness takes courage, but it helps to restore what's, what might become potentially a broken relationship. Okay, the second sort of forgiveness is when another person has done something to us that's caused us to be offended or harmed us in some way. I'll read that again because it's important. The second sort of forgiveness is when another person has done something to us that's caused us to be offended or harmed us in some way. Now, this forgiveness does not involve approaching the other person. Is between us and God. Let that sink in for a minute, because I don't think we didn't know this before we, we taught it. 
So um, Jesus wants us to forgive other people as an act of generosity. So um, in Jesus' prayer, when he was about to die on the cross, he said, Father, sorry, unquote. I got myself muddled up. He said, forgive us our sins. Sorry, this is the Lord's, the Lord's prayer. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. So that's us forgiving people who've done things to us. And later he told Peter that he should forgive others at least 77 times. That's in Matthew 18. So practically, this is something between us and God. So, remember when Jesus was, was on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. So he's talking to God. Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. That was between him and his father. It doesn't involve the other person at all. They may not even recognize they've caused us any harm. But if they've offended us, we may need to forgive them so that we can move on. It's being generous to ourselves, really. So being gen- not being generous with the second type of forgiveness, forgiving others, can hold us back as Christians and can prevent us from becoming the people that God wants us to be. So is it possible for us to be generous in both situations? Yes, it is. Is it good for us to be generous in both situations? Absolutely. So here's a personal example. And this is quite personal. Um, We struggled with my dad when he came to live with us for six years. He was quite unaware of the problems he was causing in our home and in our marriage. Doing freedom in Christ later enabled us to recognize what had happened and we were able to talk about it with God and with each other and forgive my dad even though he'd already died. This enabled us to move on but it took quite a bit of what we call generous energy. By the way, um, this is the plug. Freedom in Christ is brilliant. (laughs) And we like putting it on together. We're doing it after Christmas this year. So guys, if you want to talk anything through about what we've just said about forgiveness, or you'd like some prayer, we're really happy to meet with you after the gathering, or in the future. Just come and make us aware. So we'll be available over here if anyone wants to come. Or if you want to talk about something you know, in a few days' time, weeks, whatever. Just, just, just make us aware. So, for now, last slide. Have you sensed any nudges from Holy Spirit during this morning at the table? Share your thoughts with the others if you feel you can. Now, you know, this is not about you bearing your souls to each other, guys. It's just if, if there's anything that we've said today that you want to think through or you've thought, oh, yeah, that's a good idea or 
I'm going to have to work on this. Just take some moments now just to think through and share some ideas. I'm going to hand you over to Rachel before you start because she's going to introduce Thank some, you for listening. Yeah. Brilliant. Thanks, guys. Yeah, so that question is going to stay um, on, uh, on the uh, slide there. Uh, we're going to share communion together, so there should be some um, uh, bread and some grape juice come around onto tables. Um, and, yeah, so it would be really good as we're kind of recognising and remembering the generosity of Christ. I think uh, John alluded to it earlier. God gave his only son through Christ. Christ gave his body, he gave his blood. And that's what we remember when we take communion. So as we're doing that together, um, do you think about this? Um, ask the Holy Spirit, um, you know, is there anything that he needs to nudge us on? Um, so as we're taking communion, just share your thoughts with each other. I'm just going to spend sort of five, ten minutes doing that. <laughs> 